In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, This is our official Mary Cosby episode, which was supposed to be the prior episode. But as everyone knows, we got a little distracted with Jen Shaw. And the reception to that has just been incredible. It blew up. (laughs) Everything blew up. But I think we both want to take a minute and just thank everyone for their interest in our podcast and for how supportive and lovely everyone has been on social media and in the reviews and whatnot. We're just so humbled that so many people are listening to us. Honestly, we're so grateful for everybody that listens and we're so grateful for all like the encouraging words and the comments and the support. And especially we are grateful for our fellow podcasters that have been mentioning us and calling us out. Like the reality is podcasters, by the way, they are amazing. I just listened to their interview with um, the Watch What Crappens guys and it was so inspiring and it's just been really validating. Ceci and I have full-time lawyer jobs, which take up a lot of our time. And so we put in a lot of extra effort. We record on the weekends. We record when we're after, you know, when we're done with work, which sometimes is quite late for both of us. And it's dark outside and we're tired. And it's just something we very much enjoy doing and think is worth the effort. But we're just so incredibly grateful for everyone that listens. Yeah, the community has been great. I had no idea that there were all these wonderful podcasts and Instagrams before we started it. I was only like involved in Reddit. And now I'm like, this community is amazing. Like I have to shout out also Bravo by Brett. He's been so supportive and awesome. Got us onto Clubhouse. So now we sometimes chat on Clubhouse and Bravo Bone Collector, who's been following us since we started the podcast and met on Reddit. And I think that's just so great. Yeah. And her Instagram, I'm telling you, I, if I still had my own law firm, I would hire a Bravo Bone Collector. (laughs) (laughs) She's so good at pulling all the pieces together. (laughs) I know. Don't tell my law firm, but she does 
better diving in than I do I mean, in my the memos chart, and it's stuff. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this episode, we're going to be talking about Mary Cosby, the lawsuits and various weird issues surrounding her and her family. I think everybody was, just like Ceci and I, everybody was kind of surprised that Jen Shaw got into legal trouble first. I think many of us thought it would be Mary Cosby or her husband, Robert Cosby, because it's just, their whole situation is unusual. I guess I'll I'll use the word innovative, unusual, I don't (laughs) know. We used to say innovative in pleadings when, like, that was like a shade term in legal pleadings. It's like, counsel's innovative arguments regarding blah, blah, blah. And it was like, you know, a hidden shade term. Yeah, backhanded compliments. Yeah. But anyway, like, her whole situation is odd. And so when I started doing the research for this episode, I discovered an unusually fascinating aspect of federal law that involves the IRS. And at the end of the podcast, we'll go into that and don't stop listening because it involves IRS tax audits. I'm telling you, it's interesting. I had no idea. And it kind of explains why, you know, Mary and Cosby, Mary and Robert Cosby, if they're doing something wrong with their church, may never get audited. So it's, yeah, really interesting. So for those who don't watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, it's the newest installment of Housewives in the Housewives show franchise series. Mary Cosby is one of the cast members she originally was a friend of, but then I think was hired as a full-time housewife because a lot of the drama this season surrounded around her. One of the big storylines that she contributed to or that were was focused on her was the fact that she married her step-grandfather. She also runs her own church with said step-grandfather slash husband, which some people have been comparing to kind of a cult. Yeah, there was a big uh, post on Reddit. It's still, it's on removed Reddit. We may have a link to that on our website where one of the former church members talks about it in detail. And then several of Mary Cosby's uh, relatives from her extended family have done like YouTube videos and done interviews talking about some of the, they allege shadier aspects of the religion. The church that Mary and Robert now run was originally started by Mary's grandmother, who everyone calls Mama. She started it on her own. She, she like walked, what is it? She walked from... She walked from Indianapolis, Indiana with her four children from her first husband and, you know, was supported by people along the way, but like walked from Indianapolis, Indiana to Salt Lake City, Utah, where she founded her church. So she founded her church. She got a really big following. People loved Mama, all the worshipers, parishioners, is that the parishioners. proper term? <laughs> parishioners loved Mama. She also started essentially an empire of businesses. Do you want to talk about the businesses? Yeah, it's actually, I mean, it's kind of sad that when we talk about Mama, it's through kind of the seemingly maybe untoward actions of Mary and her husband, because this woman of color back in the 60s and 70s started all of these businesses and started a church. And when I, I did a ton of research looking into old files and newspaper clippings, and I have not found a single negative word written about Mama Cosby. She seems like she was just an absolutely wonderful person, 
and started. So there, there was a mortgage company that I believe she started, but it is now run by Annie Lois Johnson, which we'll probably do a whole other episode on her later. And then she's got two restaurants that I think are now closed, the Southern Plantation restaurants. And then there was a radio station that was founded by Mama Cosby and the Faith Temple, Temple Pentecostal Church that was still going on up until a couple years ago. And then there's also a daycare center and I think there's one other business. And so she just had this massive, you know, very diverse group of businesses that some of which did very well. And then also her her church, the Faith Temple Pentecostal Church, was incredibly popular. So then she meets Robert Cosby and marries him in the year 1975. He's 22 years younger than her. Yeah. And they start, like, running the church together. She dies... And this is kind of where things go to shit. (laughs) Do you want to talk about her death and like the suspicions and questions surrounding her death? Okay, so going back a little bit, in December of 1988, Annie Lois Johnson is listed as the President and Chief Executive Officer of United Security Financial Corp. And that's the, the mortgage lending company that's somehow affiliated with the Faith Temple Pentecostal Church. Then in January, on January 3rd, 1997, Rosemary Cosby, that's Mama Cosby, she dies in Florida at age 65. And there was a lot of concern about that because she ostensibly died of a, a of heart failure, but she had been very healthy supposedly until then, hadn't had any sign of issues of heart problems. And so her children thought that was suspicious. And to be clear, her four children are all from her previous husband, and she didn't have any children with Robert Cosby. So then in February 11th of 1997, Robert Cosby, her husband, a little over a month after she dies, he files an application for appointment as personal representative of the estate of Rosemary Cosby. When you die without a will, it's called dying intestate. And so if you don't have a will, then it goes into an estate and the court deals with it. And so Robert is asking to be the personal representative of his deceased wife's estate. So it ends up being really contentious. Okay, so going back to the timeline, just keep these dates in mind. Mama Cosby dies January 3rd, 1997. Less, like a little around a month later, February 11th, 1997, Robert Cosby asked to be in charge of her estate in court. Then on August 3rd, 1998, there's a big court hearing about a like bitter battle regarding who gets to oversee Mama Cosby's estate. The judge ends up appointing a special administrator to oversee the estate because Rosemary Cosby's Mama Cosby's children, who are not Robert's children, are very concerned with what he's doing with the estate. So the judge at that point in 1998 issues a restraining order preventing Robert Cosby from selling or transferring property that Rosemary Cosby's adult children say that their mom owned. And they also allege that the church's financial manager, Annie Lois Johnson, is moving things around to try to keep them from getting stuff out of the estate. And according to Mama Cosby's children, there's a ton of stuff in this estate that's super valuable. The commercial property, the restaurant, the radio station, businesses, jewelry, mm-hmm. art, furniture, cars. And Robert Cosby, after he applied to be executor of the estate, supposedly wasn't listing those as assets that would be in the estate. So they mm-hmm. think that he's moving them around, hiding them, all of that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just already all sketch. Mama Cosby dies perfectly healthy. What the heck? Yeah. Then he, like, jumps in. He tries to, like, start taking, allegedly all the property on his own. This is just, yeah. 
sorry, not to cut you off. But no, I'm just, but it's, I mean, it, it's it like, doesn't sound right. And again, the church's financial manager, who is also the one that was the president of that mortgage company, Annie Lois Johnson, is involved in all of this. You know, it's sad that she built all this and then she dies and then immediately things just start going south. Okay, Mm -hmm. so then September of 1998. Now, Rosemary Cosby dies in... Mama. Yeah, I'm sorry. Rosemary Mama Cosby dies in 1997. 1998, Robert marries his step-granddaughter, Mary Martha Cosby. So his late wife... Who is the cast member on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yes. Yes, and so Robert has been married to Mama for a very long time, but one year after her death, he's marrying her step-granddaughter. So that's unusual. <laughs> one year after her death and, like, a few months after the court issues the restraining order, right? Right, right. So, I mean, <laughs> kind of seems like he was trying to get the assets or her estate one way. And then when that didn't work, maybe he tried to go through the daughter well, or the granddaughter. here's the super shady, creepy kind of thing. So it is Mary's mom, Rosalind Cesaris, who is leading the claims against Robert Cosby. So Mary's mom is the one that is going to court and asking for the injunction to stop Robert from selling the estate. And her mom is the one going to court and asking the judge to say, tell Robert he is not allowed to move any of this property around and that it needs to be distributed fairly. It's Mary's... Okay, imagine your own mom is in a fight with your step-grandpa over your grandmother's assets. And then you're like, you know, I think I'm just going to marry him. Like, it's just (laughs) less... Like, you know, basically a year after grandma dies. The timing is it, it just seems incredibly upsetting yeah a situation it's like a slap in the face to her mom yeah. it's a slap in the face to her grandma yeah the church well <laughs> yeah i for some reason when i guess i first watched the show and mary was talking i was thinking maybe she married the step grandpa like years after her grandma had died i don't i mean she didn't say that but like that's just kind of like how i internalize that in my head and then when I looked at this timeline when I was going through and researching this I was like this is really soon and this is like yeah September 1998 you're marrying your step granddaughter and the court battle starts in August of 1998 that's when that hearing is so August they have the hearing the court makes those orders about Robert Cosby not being allowed to move stuff around and then September, a month later, oh wow, they get married. It's also really strange because Mary on the show said that it was in Mama's will that she wanted him, she wanted Robert to marry Mary. Right. <laughs> that was a mouthful. It's like this term is so hard. Is this terminology is like Mary said that Mama in the will said she wanted Mary to marry Robert, but there was no will. No, Mary Cosby later clarified that and said, well, no, it wasn't, in, it wasn't in a will. It was her will, like her desire that I do that. But she had died only like a year and a half before then. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I, I think we'll probably <laughs> on our website put links so you can hear some of this stuff from Mary's own family. Because Mary's family members have done, like I said, some YouTube videos talking about this. So Robert's 45. Mary Cosby is 25 when they get married in September of 1998. And apparently Robert Cosby was going around the Faith Temple Pentecostal Church saying, oh, this is this this is what God is saying. This is what God mm-hmm. is telling us. We need to, you know, we're, we're following God's will. And 
He would like pray together with people and be yeah. like, God told you that too, right? And yeah. Were like, yeah, God told me that too. Like leading questions. Yeah. I just, just want to say like, I grew up in a very religious household and I have read a lot of the Bible and anytime God shows up to tell you something, it's not something you want to hear, at least in the Bible. It's certainly, it's always something like you don't <laughs> right. want to do. It's like when he's telling Abraham, yeah. like, like to kill walk- Kill your 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. Like, go, yeah. Kill, kill your, your first son. Kill yeah. your firstborn son. It's always something that you are like, are you really? You really want me to do that? It's not something the person ever really yeah. wants to do. And their typical response is to, like, say no or get scared or run away. And so there isn't a lot, in my knowledge of the Bible, there's not a lot of biblical precedent for God showing <laughs> up and telling you to do something that you want to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, hook up with that younger chick. Yeah, it sounds more think. like... I'm just saying it sounds more like the devil. It just, you know... Yeah. Who tells you to do things you want to do, according to the Bible? The devil. That's who says. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Not a biblical scholar here, but I'm just saying, there's not a lot of precedent for that if we're applying legal terms. Right. But somehow Robert got a very favorable message from the Lord. So, February 19th, 1999, six, seven months after Robert marries Mary Cosby, Rosalind Cesaris, Mary's mom, files another action in court. And so this one is regarding the alleged forgery of quitclaim deeds in order to move property around, saying the property belonged to Robert and not to Mama Cosby, and therefore should not be part of the estate. If that makes sense. So the allegation is Robert is forging documents to say that this property isn't in Mama's estate. And so therefore it should go only to him and not be included in the estate. If that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. And the allegation is that he did that with the help of Annie Lois Johnson by forging. There she is again. There she is again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there she is again. <laughs> By forging quitclaim deeds. A quitclaim deed sounds fancy, but it's really not. It's just, it's also called a non-warranty deed. And a quitclaim deed just conveys whatever interest the person has in a piece of real property, meaning like actual real estate, to another person. And so mm-hmm. basically you're saying like, I am warranting that I have no claim on this property and that any claim that I had, I am transferring to this other person. And so the quick claim deeds are supposedly forged by Robert to show that Mama Cosby just relinquished all of her rights to these properties to Robert. So the allegation was that he forged Mama's signature on these deeds. Yes. And this ended up going all the way to the Utah Supreme Court. The trial court wouldn't allow evidence that the deeds had been forged. So Rosalind Cesaris, Mary Cosby's mom, got this famous forgery expert guy who had done work for like the FBI and stuff to look at Mama Cosby's signatures on documents where they knew it was her signature. Mm -hmm. So birth certificates, things like that. And then compare that to the alleged forgeries. And he said, the expert said that this is not Mama Cosby's signature. Mm -hmm. And so the judge didn't allow this testimony to come in and excluded it. And then Rosalind Cesaris took that all the way up to the Utah Supreme Court, saying like this evidence should be allowed. We should be able to present this evidence. The Utah Supreme Court ended up agreeing with Rosalind Cesaris, saying, yes, this should have been allowed. And then, you know, the basis that the court had for not allowing it was that, well, there was a notary that witnessed the signature. But it turns out this notary didn't actually witness the signatures. She wasn't there for at least one of them. And according to the notary, she was just like, she got a call from Florida 
which is also sketchy. Like, why are you suddenly just doing this yeah. from Florida? Why are you calling up and being like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I quit I, cl- I quit any claim to this property. Right. Like, go ahead and sign this document. I mean, that's sketchy in and of itself. But all a notary does, if anyone's ever used a notary public, all the notary is doing is not saying the notary isn't saying the document's authentic. The notary isn't saying the document's legal. All the notary is doing is saying, I personally witnessed this person signing this document. Mm-hmm. That is what the notary is for. So that way the document can be authenticated in court because there isn't any issue as to whether or not that person actually signed it. Mm-hmm. So to bring up Erica Girardi, there's been a bunch of those documents That's going exactly around. That's exactly what I was thinking of when yeah. you were talking about the signature experts. I feel like everyone on Instagram has become a signature expert in the past couple of days. Someone compared her signature on the documents that you're talking about to the card. Do you remember she like sent Lisa Vanderpump or something yes. a card? And yes. people were like, it's yes. the same. I'm like, damn, you guys are good out there. But I know. <laughs> yeah. Just to talk about the Erica documents for like one second. That those loans are over so much money. Eight million dollars, whatever, how much they're over. And these signatures of Erica's, whether they're real or not, the fact that they're not notarized to me is a big deal because when a loan is over that much money and when you are asking someone like Erica to waive their claim for their husband's property, I mean, essentially what Erica did by, if she signed those, what she did by signing them was say, I agree that you have a stronger claim to all of this and that your claim can be satisfied before I can get anything. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't, first of all, it doesn't sound like something Erica would do. Like, it just doesn't. Yeah. And then second of all, like, if you are wanting somebody to waive their claims and you want that to hold up in court, you would think you would have it notarized so that that person can't come back and say, oh, no, I didn't actually sign that. That's not my signature. Because that's what the notary does. Like, that's all the notary can testify to. That is the only purpose of a notary is to say, yes, I personally attest to this signature. I saw them sign it it's signed. Like, and you can't get around, like in court, if you have that, the notary shows up and it says, yeah, I witnessed them signing it. It's a then game over. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But in this case, going back to Mary Cosby, the evidence against Robert is the forgery expert. And then the fact that one of three quick claim deeds wasn't notarized, right? No. So it was notarized, but the notary didn't actually witness the signature. Got it. So the notary didn't do the one thing a notary is supposed to do, which was actually be in the room with the person and physically watch them sign the document. Mm-hmm. So the notary said, she, call, uh, she called me up and said that she wanted me to notarize the document. So I didn't actually see her sign it. She said, it's all good. Like someone's signing a check or something. You call them up and you're like, yeah, go for it. Whatever. The facts don't look or feel right. Okay, so I explained like that Rosalind Cesares took this quick claim forgery issue all the way up to the Utah Supreme Court. The Utah Supreme Court hears it. The Utah Supreme Court rules in favor of Rosalind Cesaris and says this can come in. So then it goes back to the district court and there's a jury trial in the district court. January 2005, and we're going to have to go back because there's some interesting other things that happened before then. But just to stick with this one case, January 2005, a jury awards the estate of Rosemary Cosby $1.2 million in damages, finding that a portion of Mama Cosby's fortune was fraudulently diverted after her death. So, mm. yeah. And Annie Lois Johnson, who keeps coming up, who's that financial manager person, she's on the hook for this, too. And so, but the thing is, like, this... So it's both, but it's both Robert and her. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yes. both were found guilty of this. Yeah. It's so much. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, we've gone through the one case all the way up to the Utah Supreme Court from like 1998 to 2005 by the time they get the jury verdict. The in that. forgery guilty verdict. Yes, which is, is, again, that wasn't criminal. It was civil. So the civil forgery verdict, which just means that the money that they fraudulently diverted should go back into the estate of Mama Cosby. But backing up a little bit, apparently Rosalind Cesares also felt like, again, this is Mary Cosby's mom, also felt like the death of her mother was suspicious. And so she got a judge to order that the body be exhumed and autopsy. When was that? And that was in August of 1999. So not only did Mary Cosby join in holy matrimony with Robert Cosby a month after her mom filed the probate estate issue, then her mom also thinks that maybe Robert Cosby killed Mama Cosby. Wait, so how close was that? Mary Cosby marries Robert. She marries Robert in September 1998. And then in August of 1999 is when they get the order, is when Rosalind Cesaris marries mom, gets 
gets the order for the exhumation of Mama Cosby's body. So about a year later. About a year later. So your mom thinks that not only is your new husband a thief, but she thinks he might be a murderer. Oh my God. I so, can't even imagine. I bet Rosalind, Mary's mom, like when her mom died, was just like freaking out. It just feels that way from all these things that you've raised. Her mom dies suspiciously quickly. Suddenly Robert's trying to take all the stuff, like take all the assets and the estate. Yeah. She files what she can for that. Then she files the thing about the quit claim deed. And now she's having her mom's body exhumed. I mean, good yeah. for her for like taking legal action and sticking up for herself. But I cannot even imagine imagine that seems so stressful and like awful it's so awful and i i mean if you really but like so if you put yourself in rosalind cesaris's position and you really believe that this person may have caused your mother's death killed her and then is stealing the assets then it becomes like this isn't really about money so much this is about just i can't let you get away with it Mm -hmm. and then your daughter marries him right and it's sad because she won that quit claim deed case but then her daughter still with him so it's a, yeah her mom her mom is still dead she doesn't and have her daughter like the it, church yeah. either she's not running the church yeah the church split up so the church like i guess splintered in half and so so sorry what happened with with the body being exhumed okay so the florida when when mama cosby died the florida medical examiner's office listed the cause of death as hypertensive cardiovascular disorder apparently based on Robert Cosby's assertion that his wife had high blood pressure and had run out of her medication. But then Cesara said, and this is from a news article from the Salt Lake Tribune, Cesaris, Mary's mom, said her 65-year-old mom was in good health before her death. And then also notably, the police found several prescription medications at the home, but none of them belonged to Mama Cosby. So they, apparently they didn't even find a pill bottle that had mm-hmm. her blood pressure medication in it. And when she passed away, the police just, the Florida police just took the word of Robert Cosby and just said, oh, okay, we'll just put the, the cause of death down as this. Mm-hmm. So, but she's, I mean, she died in 1997 and they didn't exhume her body until August 1999. So I don't even know what. <laughs> That's not a topic for this podcast. Like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry. Decompose, like, how quickly you, <laughs> no, I, I, no, no, no. It's it's cool to talk about, but I don't I don't even know. That's not our expertise. How quickly? It's not our expertise. <laughs> like what's no. going on there? Yeah, Rosalind Cesaris is fighting that legal battle to get her mother's body exhumed, while she's also like fighting to get Robert to stop moving assets around in the estate, and then she's fighting the legal battle to demonstrate that those deeds were forged. Yeah, so, so all this is at the same just, time. Yeah. It's all going, and her daughter is still, her mom's dead and her daughter's married to the guy that she thinks killed her mom and is stealing everything. Right. So, oh, God. not good. And her church is split up. So things are, I mean, it's just not. Everything's like imploding. And it all seems to go back to Robert. Robert and Annie Lois Johnson. It's the, the, she seems to be involved in just a lot of things. Do you know what the relationship is between Annie Lois Johnson and Robert Cosby? Like, did they know each other before all of this went down? Oh, yeah. She was intimately involved in the... She was the church's financial person. So she was intimately involved in all of the business dealings of the church. They had all known each other for a long time. She had been part of... And actually, if you 
look up Annie Lois Johnson like she talks about in these articles that are written about her where she's interviewed, not about this stuff, um, just about like her financial services. Mm -hmm. She talks about how she was really inspired by Mama Cosby and how she belonged to the church and was involved with it. So they had known each other all for a long time before any of this stuff happened. Okay. When I picture her, I don't know why I picture like this, like, I don't know, Robert's this like suave guy that swoops in and then she's like the the true lover of Robert and she's just waiting in the wings for him to swoop in and then they're going to steal all the money and then run away together. That's what I'm picturing in my head, but I'm probably terribly off. You're writing a screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably watch that movie. <laughs> I definitely would watch this movie. This is insane. Okay, so real quick, here is why Robert Cosby and Mary Cosby may never have like an IRS audit or any federal fraud type charges. And that's because they run a church. And so there are very specific rules for how the IRS is allowed to audit a church. I think all of us saw that watched Salt Lake City. We all saw Mary Cosby talking about her five houses. And she said, we don't run our houses or anything. When we're not there, they are empty. Quote, we don't share. And I mean, just it seems like a little icky when you're, yeah, like a yeah. That's something I forgot to mention. We knew while watching the show she married her step grandfather, and we also knew that they had a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say they had a lot of money. We could see that they had a lot of goods. They had she had a ton of designer bags, ton of designer sh- shoes, off the runway clothing, like just. She spent the entire season in her closet (laughs) amongst the shoes, the clothes, everything. And it was just, it was like a gross amount of designer clothing and accessories. It looked like a couture hoarder. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I mean, this isn't one of the beautiful closets that we're used to seeing on The Real Housewives. I mean, this isn't Tiffany Moon's gorgeous closet. This isn't, who else has like the really nice, uh, this isn't Lisa Vanderpump's Mm -hmm. closet. I would, I would happily live in either one of those closets. I would just camp out in there. I did. I did live in a closet in Manhattan. So, like, I, I too, would live in their closets. Um, you know? It's like, but this is, not, this is not one of those. This is not one of those closets. No, it's, like, just, um, like, piles of designer clothing. And I just, I don't know about you, but I was watching it and being like, how is she running this church with, like, very normal people? They're worshiping with her worshiping her sometimes how is she running this and like spending so much money on designer shoes i don't i just didn't add up to me i was like this doesn't make any sense but well here's what mary says so we've gone through this whole sorted story like at a very high level of the will and mama cosby dying and the forgery of documents and all of this stuff but on the january 6th episode of the show mary explains it by saying when my grandmother left, she left me her in, her empire, homes, churches, daycares, a mortgage company, restaurants. Now, the mortgage company she's referring to has got to be the Annie Lois Johnson mortgage company. Mm-hmm. There isn't any other mortgage company involved. So according to Mary, she has all of this stuff because her grandma left it to her. So after all of this horrible long drawn out legal mm-hmm, battle mm-hmm. that Mary's mom has done about the will. Mary on TV is just throwing it in her mom's face saying, "Yeah. Grandma gave it to me." Yeah. Yeah. Right. It just Ugh. 
Even if it's true, like, let's say that's true. It's still mean to your mom. Right. I mean. You know the battle that she's been fighting all these years. Yeah. Like, that is just so rude. Well, and I'm not saying it's true because it doesn't make sense from all the stuff that's been written in the legal pleadings. The whole time, Robert Cosby in the legal pleadings is saying there isn't all these assets. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I, you know, but Mary on TV is like, oh, grandma left it to me. She left me her empire. Right. Right. So, but but someone, one of the Bravo accounts, and I'll try and link it on our website, dug into their businesses, the businesses that Mary says was left to her, and they're all pretty, like, defunct and shabby. Yeah, the daycare got, like, one of the PPE loans or whatever, or, like, the coronavirus loans from the federal government, so the daycare got one of those. The restaurants are not open. The church, I mean... yeah. How much money can that church be bringing in? And one of the, so Mary's uncle, I believe, Ernest, he gave a YouTube interview and talked about some of the mortgage fraud issues with the church. And then also, I believe Mary's cousin gave an interview on YouTube and talked about that the church is making people mortgage their homes and then donate it to the church. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of that's true or not. I'm not saying it is, but these are things that are being said by Mary's family members in interviews. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like there's any cash really flowing in from any of the businesses, but... Yeah, I did a deep dive and I researched Robert Cosby and I found a printing company that he owns, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's not like it's publicly traded or anything. I don't have no idea how much... And it's in another state. It's not in Utah. So he does own a company. That, like, um, they make banners and stuff. Yeah. And how much money was that doing during yeah. coronavirus? <laughs> right. You know? How much money? Can, I don't know. Maybe printing companies make a ton of money. I don't know. I've never owned one. So here's the thing. There are special tax rules for churches. Congress enacted special tax laws that apply to churches. So if you think of Mary's church, Jamal Bryan's church, these also apply to charitable organizations. So like Vanderpump Dogs, Candy Cares, but the charitable organizations that aren't churches have slightly different rules and they have reporting requirements and it's easier to audit them. Mm -hmm. Churches have special, 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 special rules. So they are subject to far less scrutiny by the IRS. And that's not the IRS faults, by the way. The IRS does not make the federal law. That's Congress. Mm-hmm. And also, it's super easy to get tax-exempt status. John Oliver did this on a show in like 2015, and he actually started a church called Our Lady of Perpetual Exemption, which is super funny. <laughs> yeah. And he actually had a tax lawyer like showing how to like get tax-exempt status. I'm kind of thinking maybe we should, our devout followers of the Bravo docket in us, <laughs> Like, should we be a church? John Oliver incorporated the church as a religious organization in Texas. And none of them are even in Texas. We're in Texas. Right. So so our, maybe our, our devout Bravo docket followers, we can have a religious organization. So it's super easy to get the tax exempt status. And then even if you do things that ostensibly are supposed to jeopardize your tax exempt status, like be political or, you know, openly look like you're taking money for yourself from the church. Because that's something you're specifically not supposed to do. So, for example, Robert Cosby is the president of Faith Temple Pentecostal Church. Mm -hmm. Mary Cosby is the treasurer of Faith Temple Pentecostal Church. So these people are insiders by law of the exempt organization, which is Faith Temple Pentecostal Church. So the IRS specifically says what you can't do is that the earnings of the organization, the exempt church organization, may not inure, which is a technical term, to any private shareholder or individual. So 
Inurement, which is super hard for me to say, <laughs> occurs, when an in, occurs when an insider of an exempt organization receives any of the organization's net income. Mm-hmm. So if Mary, according to federal law, if Mary and Robert, who are insiders, i.e. the president and the treasurer of this church, are taking any income from the church, that's wrong and bad. And if they're inappropriately using assets for personal gain, like buying Chanel, that's wrong and bad. Mm-hmm. That should be like that should jeopardize the taxes of status and it should violate federal law. But super difficult because of the federal laws that are in place protecting churches from IRS audits. Real quick, and I promise this is interesting. So just listen. No, to me, I'm even super I'm interested. The IRS. No, I'm not just saying. Like I don't want people listening to be like, oh gosh, talking about tax law. <laughs> this is interesting. I swear. Yeah. Okay. So the IRS may begin a church tax inquiry only if, and I'm quoting, an appropriate high-level treasury official reasonably believes, based on a written statement of facts and circumstances, that the organization may not qualify for the exemption, like for the things I was talking about before, may not be paying tax on business or other taxable activity, like unrelated to the church. And then the reasonable belief must be based on facts and circumstances recorded in writing. Okay, so the federal law that was enacted didn't say what an appropriate high-level treasury official was. It didn't it didn't define that. Mm-hmm. And then the IRS didn't appropriately define it. So like the person the IRS had listed as that when that, that was enacted, that uh, position was eliminated by the IRS. So there was like no one in that position because it didn't exist anymore. Yeah. So it's like this is like total government stuff. Like these are all the reasons why we get so annoyed with the government. It's like yeah. classic government nonsense. And I'm not saying anybody did it on purpose. I'm just saying like these are like just government. Yeah, like, it was just probably missed. Yeah. So like to start an audit, you have to go to this one person, but this one person doesn't exist. That yeah, that position doesn't exist anymore. It had been eliminated. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't find any recent data on this, but CBS News reported that the IRS completely suspended church audits from 2009 to 2013. And then from 2013 to 2014, only conducted three church audits. So no churches were getting audited for like any reason whatsoever. Like, you know, they're just literally like churches running wild. And that kind of seems like, yeah, the time period, obviously, when the Cosbys were running their church. Oh, yeah. 100%. All of like 2009. Like, so like, yeah, that court case with the fraud thing ended in like 2000 and well, it still continued on after 2005, but mm-hmm. that was appealed and everything. Yeah, all of the, and so all of this has been going on. And still, I couldn't find any recent data on church audits. So it's just very difficult because of federal law for them to even get audited because mm-hmm. um, all of those things have to happen. Now, I did, we will post this on our website and I, well, I'm actually still trying to decide whether or not we should post it, but I'm begging people if we do post it because it's, it's public information, but like there is a tax exempt organization complaint form. And I do think it's important for people to know when they belong to churches or they donate to charities. If you think the money that you're giving to charity is not being used for that charity, you know, or appropriately within your church, you should be able to report that. And that form is one of the things the government can use as part of those things to say, okay, here we've met all the conditions precedent in order to be able to do this tax audit of this church organization. But I don't want anyone to report anything unless you are like really sure, like, you know, like you have personal knowledge, whatever, because that's just going to make things more difficult to I mean, that's just going right. to yeah. cause more problems. For Don't the like listen to our podcast and <laughs> go report. Me. Yeah. No. <laughs> just based no. on what we've said in this episode. Right. But wait, so can they do audits now? Is there someone? How does that work now? So they have supposedly, I mean, the case law is still working out on this, but they're working on identifying the appropriate person. But the way that the IRS has started to get around it is by not 
auditing the church itself, but by auditing clergy members, because the federal law does not protect the clergy members. So take, for example, Robert Cosby. Mm-hmm. He is a, he's like, they call him Bishop Cosby. He's a clergy member of the church. So if they audited his financials, that wouldn't fall under the church audit protection Act or the Church Audit Procedures Act. So that wouldn't fall under that federal law because he is just a pastor of the church. So they're, they're allowed to audit like church employees and church clergy, but going through like the church's financial records are, yeah, they have to go through that whole other mm. process that I talked about that's really difficult. Mm. But like he um, could just do like putting his, putting everything in the church, you know? He could, but... I mean, it's it's difficult. I, I think that would be very difficult to do. So that that would be one way is to audit the treasurer and the president of the church. Mm-hmm. Like that wouldn't necessarily fall under the CARES Act. So that is a possibility. It's it's just I didn't know any of this until I started researching for this episode, and then I was like, suddenly it all makes sense. I get why they feel so comfortable being so open with what they're doing yeah there's not a really clear line on how to get in trouble there's not like a no i'm just like and nobody's gotten in trouble yeah there's no threat of it yeah you know although i would say on the reunion bishop cosby did look like he wasn't super happy that he was on tv (laughs) (laughs) mary's crying and saying well he loves me he buys me chanel it's like oh don't say that that's the worst thing yeah, you could it's say. Like making it worse. I mean, and she's coming back this season. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Jen being arrested will give her pause for any wrongdoing she's doing. Not that we know that she's doing any wrongdoing, but maybe it'll give her pause. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's, if you want to, if you want to take money from people and not be super accountable for it, start a church. That's kind of what I learned from researching this mm-hmm. law. <laughs> Not telling anyone to do that. I'm saying like, right. you know, yeah. you want it to make it real hard for the feds to come after you, start a church. So seriously, what a wild ride. I mean, this family, poor Rosalind. I hope she's doing okay. Well, that, now, that is now her is daughter's like so sad. on the show. Now she gets to watch them. She brought yeah, now she gets to watch her, her daughter talk about the empire that her yeah. grandma left her. So, yeah, I mean, this is a lot of stuff we covered, and there's so much more to go into with Mary Cosby. There's so many more things about all of these legal issues that it's just... Yeah, this stuff is dense and complex and wild and twisty. I mean, if, if we wrote a screenplay that had all this stuff in it, I think people wouldn't, it, like... It'd be too people much. People wouldn't buy it. They'd be like, they're like, this isn't... They'd be like, they're like this doesn't make sense. Tone it's not it down. Believable. Yeah, there's too many stories yeah. <laughs> going on. There's too much bad stuff. Please remove some of it. Yeah. But this is <laughs> real life. Out. We're not making this movie. Yeah. But no, yeah, the like, bodies being exhumed, forged documents, the Utah Supreme Court, tax-exempt status, living in your closet full of <laughs> designer clothes. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Just, just even, oh, and we were not even talking about marrying your step grandpa. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the normal part of a all year, this. <laughs> that's the normal, a year after your grandma dies, while your mom is suing him oh my for multiple God. things. Yeah, I didn't even realize how overlapping the timeline was until you laid it out like this. When I was this. making that timeline, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not, this is, this is worse than I thought. Yeah, like, like, this is uh... bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a wild ride. I mean, damn. I don't think any family in Housewives can top this. I hope they don't. I hope no one try. Like, it just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know what our next episode will be. 
I think I'd like to get back to some of the old things on our list, unless like I know, unless we have so many things on our list. Someone so that goes they won't and like stop getting in legal trouble. <laughs> someone goes and like kills someone, then we'll have to do another emergency episode. But like, yeah, I yeah, I'm hoping to go back to one of the old things. Maybe maybe now that Bethany Frankel's divorce is finalized, we can start talking about oh. divorces maybe and why divorce would be a good one. Hers took so long, like. Yeah. so long I don't that's the longest divorce I've ever heard same, of same same I, yeah. I mean I, I don't follow divorces free, often but it it felt really long like yeah un, abnormally long so I think maybe we could do a divorce episode talking about her divorce like Shannon Bedore's divorce there's a lot of divorces something like that but yeah I mean honestly the best divorce is when your husband's deported to another country <laughs> Like, Teresa's divorce was probably the easiest divorce because, I mean, they do genuinely love their daughters. Yeah. And, you know, they, he's deported. He can't get in the United States. What's he going to do? Right. Like, right. you know? Yeah. So. Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah. So we will reconvene soon. Hope some of this made sense. And obviously, please ask questions on the podcast. And I will try to figure out the best way to put up a blog post about this, maybe the timeline, and then, you know, just to maybe help make some more sense of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be good. But yeah, thank you all for listening. And thanks for listening, guys. Again soon. All right. I'm disengaging. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Bravo Docket is part of the Acast Creator Network. Acast.